Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for November 29, 2019. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends to raise a people who will govern with him at the end of time. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you once more to like our pages, both on YouTube and Facebook. On Facebook, our handle is Emerging Temple. And if you see a subscribe button at the bottom of this video, I'd like you to go ahead and click on it so you can be subscribed to our channel. And if there's a bell icon, click on that also so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. If you want to support our work, please visit our website www.templeoftruth.us or you can go to patreon.com where you can become a member by looking for our handle again, Emerging Temple, and supporting us that way. All right, we have already began broadcasting through our radio channels, uh, such as Spotify and other online radio channels. And um, what you need to do is go to um, Spotify and any other radio channels you might use and see if you can search online and find um, our handle, Emerging Temple, okay? There's a link on our website to let you know which um, radio channels, online radio channels, we're currently subscribed to, okay? So we're now you're now able to get us via audio. So if you're driving your car, driving to work, driving home, you'll be able to listen to us and not, you know, have to watch a video, all right? Okay, excellent. Well, today I want us to um, take a look at the Ten Commandments. Um, every child, you know, from when they're four or five years old, they are taught the Ten Commandments or ought to have been taught the Ten Commandments. But how does it apply to us today, those of us who are under the, um, the New Covenant? What does the Ten Commandments mean? Uh, we read where the Scriptures say we are no longer under the law but under grace. Yet Jesus said he hasn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. What does that mean? Um, God willing, today we'll be able to go through all 10 of them and analyze them in both their natural meaning and in what their spiritual meaning and significance is for this time and at this hour. So we're going to take a look at a PowerPoint presentation I put together for you. And we're going to discuss those things as we go along. Remember, at the end of this video, you are welcome to chat with us via the chat section on um, YouTube or through um, our Facebook um, handle. At the Emerging Temple, you're able to go in there, ask questions, contribute, give your opinions. We'd love to get, get that feedback from you, okay? All right, so why don't we go and take a look at this um, chart, uh, this, this presentation. And... Um, here we refer to it as the inner meaning of the Ten Commandments. So we're going to go through all ten. We're going to begin with the first one. Okay? We're going to begin with the first one. Um, but before we do that, there's obviously a preamble. And let me read out to you this preamble. Okay? It says, The commandments of the Old Testament are now promises of the Holy Ghost. This means that they now refer, that's the Ten Commandments, now refer to things that God has purpose to accomplish in our lives by changing us to be like him. And you can find that support for this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, which we're going to take a look at right now. 
They are to be understood from their spiritual perspective and not the natural. This presentation is just a little part of the broader, broader study to be conducted in the coming days. Here we concentrate on the Ten Commandments. What this means is there are more commandments than the Ten Commandments. For, to, for now, we're looking at the Ten Commandments. In the coming days, God willing, if we have opportunity, we'll go into more of the law because there were many laws given. Don't eat anything that doesn't have a potted hoof and chew the cud. Don't eat any fish that doesn't have scales. And, uh, you know, so many other things. What do they mean? Okay, because those commandments came from God. What do they mean? We're going to take a look at those things and how they apply to us today who are the Christians. Okay, so but before we go any further, the scripture is quoted here, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 19. Jesus is speaking. So why don't we, you know, why don't we take a look at it and see what, you know, Jesus is saying there. Okay, let's do, let's do that. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, from verse 17 to 19. And Jesus says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. All right. So there we have it from the master himself, that he didn't come to abolish the law, but that he came to fulfill the law. Well, what does he mean by fulfill? To fulfill means to actualize, to bring to pass. And we know that when Jesus was here, by his life, he lived according to the law and was found blameless by God. But now he is trying to complete that and accomplish that through you and I. Basically, we are yielding ourselves for Jesus to um, fulfill the requirements of the law through our bodies, through our souls, through our minds. Okay? And that's what Jesus means by he came to fulfill. And by the presence of his Holy Ghost, by the person of his Holy Ghost, he has possessed us and he's working out through us unto God those divine commands and demands that God has made on us. It is not by our strength that those demands shall be met by us, but by the function of the Holy Ghost in us, who alone has the capability to keep the commandments of God. I hope you understand what I just said, because what I just said is revolutionary, and you need to be able to understand that. Because if you do, it will transform and it will change your perspective of God and your walk with God and your walk with Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. So let's go to the commandments directly now. It says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. The love of persons, items, or things such as social and political positions at the cost of a relationship with God is what this commandment is referring to. It doesn't say we should have 
no other gods. It says no other gods before him. What does this mean? What God is saying here is we should put him first. Simple. Okay? He said we should put him first. Let's take, for example, the love of your country. You love your country. Okay? God says, put him first. So that's why you often hear people say, for God and country. Not that God is equal to country, but country comes after God. But there are lots of us who put our country before God. In other words, even when our country is doing the wrong thing, we don't speak up. Maybe we're afraid, maybe we want to be accepted by people. But if that is who you are, then guess what? You have put your country before God. But let's put aside country. Let's put aside a loved one. Maybe there's a girl you want to marry and she doesn't want to believe in Christ and you decide to go and follow her instead of following Christ. Well, you have put her before God and that is not pleasing to God. Okay? Now, I know that those two are like extreme cases, but that's what that scripture is referring to when he says, do not put any other gods before me. Okay? All right. He said, this doesn't mean we can have another spirit that we call on. So God is not saying here that we should be able to pray to God and pray to some other spirit. That's not what he's saying here. Okay? He's not saying, okay, when you want to pray in the morning, first pray to me, then later on you can go pray to some other spirit. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about things inside of you and I that we revere, okay? We should not revere anything before him, okay? He should be number one, numero uno, okay? So I repeat that second um, bullet point. This doesn't mean we can have another spirit that we call on or that it is okay to do so. God means for us to call on him as our provider and be willing to accept a no or a yes from him, okay? All right. The second commandment is, thou shalt make no graven image to worship it. This is similar to the first commandment, but it differs in the sense that God is warning us about developing systems in place of spiritual fluidity and also developing concepts and images in our minds of people or things that we venerate. So God is saying that we shouldn't depend on our systems, okay? So let's take, for example, we have a certain political system we use in our country, okay? And rather than look to God to keep peace in our country, we're so sure that our military is so strong, our political system is so beautiful, our economy is so great, our technology is awesome, and we depend on that and believe based on that we cannot fall. Falling to the same mistake King Nebuchadnezzar made, God says, those things become a graven image, okay? It's not just talking about, you know, going to build, you know, a statue of somebody or, you know, or whatever, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with just building a statue to remember former presidents, kings, you know, uh, whatever. What is bad is when we begin to revere those statues, we begin to go to those statues and begin to pour libations or, you know, you know or put flowers, okay, um, in memory of those people, okay? Now, it's not, let me correct something then. I'm not saying you can't go and put flowers in memory, let's say where somebody's buried and you want to remember the person, that your grandmother, mother, father, 
You know, I'm not, that's not what God is saying. He's saying if you're going there praying, believing that by praying there, something is going to come special to you because you prayed there. And that God calls an abomination. He doesn't want you to turn any, any place or anything into uh, a point, you know, of special power. He alone should be the special power to you. Okay, second bullet point says, it also refers to physical figurines or statues that we make for veneration. He's not against building monuments or statues in remembrance of great leaders or persons. He is against us venerating those statues as though they have some inherent power in themselves. I think that speaks for itself. The third commandment is, thou shalt not take the name of God in vain. Name represents character. The name of God represents his character or attribute. For example, he is called El Shaddai, the breasty one, in a time of lack because he provides. Sometimes he's called Jehovah Rapha during times of sickness and disease because he heals. He is called Jesus or Yehoshua for the salvation of our souls because he died for us. Using or calling upon any of these names without the intent being the need to be rescued from some related attribute is using the name in vain. In other words, if you're using these names not for the reason that he has revealed those names to us, then you're using his name in vain. And here it says, remember the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 20. That's Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 20. It's a story about these seven guys who saw the apostle Paul casting out demons from people and casting them out in the name of Jesus. And those seven boys who were not even Christians went and saw some girl or some man that was possessed by demons and went and said, we command you to come out of this person in the name of that Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demon in the man turned around and beat all seven of them and tore their clothes naked and they ran naked down the street. And the demon said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Okay, it's a very funny story. You know, I really, you know I'm laughing just thinking about it. But, you know, I would encourage you, go to Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 20, so you can have a good laugh at those guys, all right? But it actually has a more serious, a more serious um, 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 intent. All right. So let's continue here. All right. So we're going to the fourth, we're going to the fourth commandment. Okay. Sorry. It says, remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. I need to move this. I think this might be blocking it. There you go. Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. The Sabbath day in the New Testament refers to a moral requirement to rest the body. It is not particular on a set day of the week. In other words, it doesn't matter whether it's Monday, whether it's Saturday, whether it's Friday, whether it's Sunday, that you choose to rest. Okay. And neither is God saying in the New Testament that, you know what, you must rest or you're going to go to hell. What God is saying is, look, your body needs rest, okay? It's a law of nature. Your body needs rest, okay? So that's 
the natural dimension of the Sabbath day, okay? It is given for our own good and those who work for us. So God put that because many of you out there, if God hadn't said, you know, there should be a day of rest, you will work your servants as though they're slaves, okay? And God knows our heart, so he doesn't trust us to, you know, to outside of Christ to do the right thing. The second bullet point says the Sabbath day also refers to the coming thousand-year reign of Christ, wherein there will be peace on earth. The Bible tells us that when Christ comes, he will reign for a thousand years. As we said before, that's a literal thousand years. Is it more? Is it less? You know, nevertheless, we know that Christ, it says, will reign for a thousand years. And after that thousand years is over, Satan shall be loosed again. So that is said, the Bible says there will be peace on earth. There will be harmony and the sons of God will rule the earth. So that is uh, like the Sabbath day. Okay. And finally, the Sabbath represents the personality of Jesus in whom we find rest when we come to him. Okay, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. That's Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Also, in the book of Hebrews, I believe it's the second chapter, um, Paul talks about there being a rest remaining for the people of God. And the Lord as the Sabbath remains for us. Okay, that means he's, there's some other Sabbath up ahead, and that's what the Apostle Paul was referring to. Okay, all right. So now we come to the first commandment that has to do with human relations. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments have to do with our relationship with fellow human beings. The first being our relationship with our mothers and fathers. It says, honor thy mother and father. Okay. Bullet point one says, this is the first of six laws that have to do with person-to-person -person relationship. The first four were person-to-God relationship. These are moral laws, so they never end. So there will never come a time that you'll never honor your mother and father. There will never come a time when thou shalt not steal. There will never come a time when it will say, thou shalt not covet thy name. All these laws will be forever. Okay? They're moral laws. Okay? Now, second part says, you must honor your father and mother, no matter how offended you might be by them, because they are chosen by God and not by you. To be dishonoring to them would be to determine that God is a fool and didn't know what he was doing by giving you such parents. It also refers to anyone who has mentored you in some other way, and most especially one who has taught you spiritually the word of God. And you can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. That 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. So what this is saying is, someone who has raised you in Christ or taught you the word of God and brought you to a deeper relationship with God is someone who you ought to treat like your father and your mother. You've got to honor them. You have to respect them. Okay? All right. So let's continue. So now we're at the fifth commandment. It says, thou shalt not murder. In most Bibles, you're going to see where it says, thou shalt not kill. More appropriate ought to be where it says, thou shalt not murder, because when you say murder, you're talking about killing a human being. When you say thou shalt not kill, that's too broad. Uh, don't kill a chicken. Don't kill a goat. Don't kill a cow. Don't kill an insect. So that's not what he was referring to. He was referring to killing a human being. So it should be, thou shalt not murder. Okay. The Hebrew slash Egyptian word, and the reason why I said Egyptian is because a lot of people don't know that the oldest Bible that we have 
is not in Hebrew, okay, the oldest Bible we have was documented in uh, the Egyptian scripts, um, and it's called the Septuagint, okay? And it was, it was um, written or copied from a lost original somewhere about 200 BC um, by the Ptolemies, who were Greek rulers of Egypt at that time, okay? So they had a form of um, um, hieroglyphics that was mixed with um, um, Greek or whatever, and that's where the Septuagint comes down to us today, all right? So I don't want to go too, too much into that, but I needed to point that out. It's very important because a lot of people think the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and from Hebrew was translated to Greek. No, it was the first Old Testament that we have was that by the Ptolemies, about 200 BC or thereabout, translation, which was primarily in Greek um, with a little hieroglyph um, of, of better still Egyptian scripts. And so that's why I said Hebrew slash Egyptian. Okay, so let's move on. The Hebrew-Egyptian word used here is murder. In English Bibles, it says kill. If the English is correct, then we wouldn't be allowed to kill trees or animals or insects, etc. It means do not murder a human being except in self-defense. And even that might be questioned, but let's move on. Man is a soul, he has a spirit, and he dwells in a body. It is the things that the soul does that the man shall be judged for. So if we hate someone in our hearts, then we shall be judged guilty of murder. Jesus said so. This is because we have killed them in our souls. First John chapter 3, verse 15 says, if you hate your brother in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Okay? First John chapter 3, verse 15. Now, the next one here says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Adultery is on the natural plane the act of sleeping with another person's wife. It is symbolic of mixing a man's seed with that of another man who has married and gone into her already. That means to adult, adultery the seed that is in her. Okay, So when a woman is married to a man, it is assumed that his seed goes into her. So if another man comes again and puts his seed into her, what he has done is he has, adult, he has adulterated that other um, seed that was already in there. Okay, he's adulterated it. So, so that's why we use the term adultery. Okay, it also means to reverence and worship other gods. So when we worship other gods, that is spiritually referred to as adultery. Okay, it is sometimes referred to as fornication when we reverence other gods. In this sense, it is referring to acts of spiritual or religious exercise not approved and directed towards God the Father. Okay? So uh, it speaks for itself. So if you're worshiping other gods, then you're committing adultery, you're committing fornication. If you're not worshiping the Lord of our Father, of our, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? All right. Thou shalt not steal. Well, that speaks for itself. It simply means what it says. If you use a person's work without paying for it, that is an example of stealing. Slavery is an example of stealing. This doesn't apply to someone who you captured in war and has been put to work in a POW camp until the end of the war. Disrespecting those who are older than you is a form of theft. Your Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. 
If you don't honor people who are older than you, you have stolen from them what God has given them, years of experience, okay? You have disregarded it, and you've disregarded all that God has done in their life, okay? Not paying taxes agreed upon by elected representatives is a form of stealing. Notice I qualified that. In other words, if somebody just comes up and imposes a tax on you that's unfair, then maybe you should resist, you know? But if you have an elected representative that you put in there and they find it necessary to put taxes, then you ought to pay those taxes because you put those people there, okay? So God says, listen, in Romans chapter 13, verse 6 to 8, God speaks there clearly about us obeying and paying our taxes to those who are in authority there, okay? All right, learning from a minister, I like this one, learning from a minister, a Christian minister, and not supporting him financially is also a form of theft, only to those who can afford to and do not. So in other words, if you are able to support a ministry, and that ministry is blessing you with the word of God, and you do not financially support it, you are stealing from the minister that God is using in that ministry. If you are not able, you are not, okay? The Bible says freely, if you're not able to support the ministry, you're not stealing from the minister or the ministry. Jesus said to the ministers that freely they have received and freely they should give. So none of us is supposed to demand anything from you as a matter of right. You ought to, if you are able to, acknowledge the fact that, look, I need to support this work. I need to support this brother because he's taking his time out to study the word to thresh the corn, to bring the food for me to eat while I go about my business making money, okay? So I should support it if I'm able to, okay? So um, that is an example of stealing. Thou shalt not bear false witness. On the natural plane, this means simply what it says. We should not say things about people that we know to be untrue. It affects the plan of God for their lives negatively. It also affects society. On a spiritual plane, this means also that we should live a life that does not bring the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ to ill repute. This is claiming to be one thing when we are showing others a bad example with our lives. So bearing a false witness spiritually means you claim you're a Christian, but by your lifestyle, you're a false witness of Jesus Christ. Because what you're saying with your life about Jesus isn't true. Okay, so this is the spiritual meaning of thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's property. This speaks directly to jealousy and envy. It is not only in working towards taking the person's physical item. It includes working to get someone terminated so you can take their job position. This doesn't mean that if you are in business and provide a better service than your competitor, that you should allow them to continue giving society poor service. That would be to rob society of your better services. Simply put, do not desire anything that rightly belongs to another person, okay? So do not covet somebody else's property, okay? And by the way, among the property listed in this commandment is a person's wife. So that's pretty strange, but you can go look at it. All right, so, We've, you know, briefly gone through the Ten Commandments here, and I would like you to, on your own time, go through the book of Exodus, open it up, and read it, 
and so you can get more elaborate, uh, more elaborate in your understanding of it. But I would like you to meditate on the things that we have said today about the Ten Commandments and how, yes, they are moral laws. They mean what they say. They say what they mean. But they have deeper spiritual interpretations, what we refer to as the inner or deeper meaning of the Ten Commandments. And we have seen that they're not just things God has told us to do. They are things that God intends to work out of you and I through the Holy Ghost. So maybe you used to steal. Well, because of the Holy Spirit that you have now brought into your life, over time, don't worry, you will get away from that habit, okay? As long as you keep your mind on wanting to get away from that, it's up to God to do that for you. And that goes for any other of the commandments that God has given that you find yourself struggling with, okay? The important thing to remember or to realize is that unlike the people in the Old Testament who didn't have any power and any grace to be able to accomplish that without with them, you know, without, you know, to accomplish that with God, you are able now to accomplish that with God. So you have God working through you to, to fulfill and to, and to um, actualize the commandment and the demands that he has put on you and I. Okay? Take the example of where we said, um, thou shalt not bear false witness, doesn't just mean, which it does, but it doesn't just mean don't say something about somebody that isn't true. That's horrible. That's, tr trust me, you don't want to experience that. That's one of the worst things that can happen to you in life. Okay, you don't want to experience that, and you certainly don't want to do that to anyone. Okay, because it doesn't only hurt that person, it hurts God's work in that person's life, it hurts God, and it hurts society as a whole. All right, all right. But the spiritual meaning of it is your life. Okay, when you consciously live a life that is antithetical to everything that Jesus has spoken about and everything people around expect of a Christian, even though you know better and can do better, well, now you're, be, you're being a false witness, okay? Because we're supposed to be what? God's witnesses. So if, how do we be God's witnesses? Is it just with our mouth or with our actions? With our actions, of course. And if our actions are opposite, antithetical to our words and to what God has said that we ought to be, then we are false witnesses. Well, friends, I'm hoping this has been a door opener. God willing, there will be opportunities for us to go next week into more and more of, you know, the law and trying to understand the spiritual and inner deeper meanings of these commandments. Okay? So it's um, Friday, and which means we're not going to be, you know, communicating with you directly again until Monday. Until then, I want to say God bless you. I want you to stay true to what we're teaching. I want to share these videos, okay? I know that many of you have been sharing these videos, have seen the response, okay? I don't want you to tire. Share these videos with your family, your friends, with your co-workers, but sit down with your family and friends and discuss these things, okay? You know, you can go, you can go to YouTube, sorry, you can go to Facebook and you can have a watch party, okay? And you can invite your friends, say, play in the video and then be commenting on it as you go along, okay? and have people discuss it 
you know, and have their point that, you know, they can get at me. That's fine. It's, 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 it's not personal. It's the work of God. Maybe they understand something better than I do. Okay. So you can go ahead, host watch parties on Facebook, you know, using our videos. You're welcome. There's no copyright to our videos. All right. So please go ahead and do that. And remember, remember to subscribe to our channel if you're on YouTube. Okay. Hit the subscribe button. It matters. All right. Also, hit the bell icon so you can be notified every time we upload new videos. All right. And um, most importantly, if you'd like to support us, you can go to our website, www.templeoftruth.us, or you can go to patreon.com. Look for our handle, Emerging Temple, uh, with the same, same handle as we have on Facebook. And also, final reminder that we are now on Spotify and some other online radio channels. So if you would like to listen to us via audio, all you got to do is go to our website, templeoftruth.us, and look for our um, links to our radio stations, and you'll be able to um, play us, play our, you know, our past recordings from there. All right, excellent. So this has been good. I look forward to speaking with you all. This is Michael Bear. I pray God blesses you this weekend, and I look forward to speaking with you all next week.